Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and today we are continuing in our series, How Did You Get There? I'm excited to welcome Ralph Reef on the show today. Ralph is a friend of mine, an incredible human being, a Hall of Fame athletic trainer, and currently serves at Butler University as Senior Associate Athletic Director for Student Athlete Health, Performance, and Wellbeing. Ralph, how are you? Doing very well, Noah. Great to be with you. Absolutely. And Ralph has had quite the career journey serving at the, as the head athletic trainer for Butler University, spending time as the executive director with St. Vincent Sports Performance in Indianapolis, managing athlete care for the Atlanta Olympic Games, managing the medical aspects of three Final Fours, working alongside IndyCar drivers, and much, much more. Ralph, share with us why you decided to pursue a career in athletic training and how you landed your first opportunity at Butler University as head athletic trainer in, eight, uh, in 1981. Yeah, certainly, Noah. And uh, so going back to high school in northern Indiana, grew up on a farm, was the uh, youngest of four children. And uh, so I'm a first-generation college student back then. And uh, so... The whole college thing was uh, very new to my family and and my parents, mm-hmm. and um, I had um, plans to go to Purdue University, study agriculture, and uh, and to do that on an athletic scholarship, playing football. Well, in my senior uh, year of high school, mm-hmm. I uh, had a significant knee injury, and uh, tore my ACL and some other things, and. Back in the 70s, mid-70s, that was quite an enduring process to um, Mm. um, have that injury. And Mm -hmm. really, your career was over. And so um, in those days, you could tear up a letter of intent. And uh, so Purdue did that. And I had a physician um, who uh, mentioned to me about athletic training and uh, didn't know anything about it. But... um, did a little bit of research and, and uh, found some information and then uh, ended up going to the University of Indianapolis awesome. for college. Yeah. And my brother was there, and that's what led me there. He was there on a track scholarship. And uh, so I walked on the football team and uh, made the team and, and then uh, through a variety of, you know, different means to get the finances together of being a resident assistant and mm-hmm. working for the campus police department and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of different yeah. jobs to make it all work. Yeah. And, um, but I still had this, i really didn't know what I was going to study. So I went to college for all the wrong reasons. I just went to, because I was an athlete 
Mm -hmm. And uh, then I found my way and uh, um, still was thinking about athletic training. And the University of Indianapolis didn't have a program. So um, so a lot of, of uh, sort of wrong paths as you, th as you think about it mm -hmm. logistically. Um, but it was all by purpose and design and God's mm -hmm. plan. And, and uh, so I met David Craig, who was the athletic trainer for the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. They practiced at the University of Indianapolis. Oh, wow. And he took me under his wing. And uh, so uh, a small college campus, University of Annapolis, created a, a pathway for me to get the athletic training requirements. And mm -hmm. so I wasn't intent on being an athletic trainer. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't a life dream. It wasn't something I aspired to do. Yeah. Uh, we did not have an athletic trainer in high school, so I was never around anybody. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was going to be a I was going to be a professional farmer. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> Um, and play in the uh, football in the Big Ten, but that was not uh, mm -hmm. not to be. And so, um, as I got into athletic training, uh, I really enjoyed it mm -hmm. and found all the curriculum yeah. uh, elements of biology and anatomy yeah. and physiology just to to really be something I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Not that I was really good at it, but I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And Ralph, I appreciate you sharing that. I do think it's really cool that. Even heading into college, you weren't sure if that was the path you'd want to take or not. And I think for a lot of young professionals, even myself included in that, when I got into college, I had no idea where I wanted to go, right? And as you kind of progress through uh, your years, you kind of figure it out. So I think that is a uh, something for our students to really consider is you do have time. There is a lot of opportunity to, to try things you may not have ever tried before and really take that home and, and see if you like it. And if you do, kind of as, as you did with your experience in uh, athletic training with David Craig, that really uh, allows you to advance and, and go forth with that uh, career path. Mm -hmm. So I love that, Ralph. And you, you eventually transitioned out of your role at Butler and took on the executive director role with St. Vincent Sports Performance in Indianapolis, an awesome institution. And share with us how that opportunity came about and what that experience was like. Yeah, so, um, so I was... Uh, spent 18 years at Butler University, my first job out of graduate school, Miami of Ohio, and uh, first full-time job, and mm -hmm. uh, was very fortunate. I was the only athletic trainer at Butler, uh, so uh, replaced the person who retired, mm -hmm. who moved down the hallway to the equipment room at <laughs> Butler uh, inside Hinkle Fieldhouse, and so mm -hmm. uh, in the summer of 1981, I started there and, and stayed for 18 years. Wow. And uh, during that period of time, I uh, had a sidebar goal professionally of being involved in the Olympics. Wow. And so that ties into what I did at St. Vincent. So uh, bear with me. So um, I, I applied to that process um, right out of graduate school, and I got plugged in uh, mm -hmm. through that process, had opportunities, and you sort of you work your way through like any organization and, and you do a good job, they ask you back. You mm. don't do a good job, they don't ask you back. And yep. uh, um, and so uh, I, I was fortunate, I get getting asked back. And so through that experience with um, the Olympic uh, model mm -hmm. of seeing um, all of the various sort of holistic collaborative 
areas of healthcare and science and coaching coming together really influenced me, really impacted yeah. me. And uh, in, the, in, in my own philosophy as an athletic trainer, and that philosophy um, is that um, uh, I'm very open, I'm very collaborative, I'm very sharing um, yeah. with uh, if somebody else knows something that I need to know, hmm. I'm, I'm going to bring them in and, or I'm going to go learn from them. And, yeah. and um, so, um, so park that for a moment. And then I got to um, a really tough period in life here at Butler um, I was doing great, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was uh, loving every minute of my work, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, but it was out of balance with right. um, with my wife Brenda mm-hmm. and our three children, and um, it just got to the point where it was a real struggle for me emotionally to be at work as much as I was, yeah, and not be a presence in my family. Mm. And um, now we had fun and all those things, but boy, it just tore at me when I'd have conversations with my wife during the day or on a weekend, I'd be at a a practice or something and she'd Mm -hmm. be trying to get the kids in the car and it was a struggle and she was a school teacher. And so she Mm. had her own load and, and, um, um, and then I was just, uh, um, a door opened up and, uh, I was uh, recruited um, by a local hospital hmm. to help them uh, sort of reinvent their sports medicine program. Yeah. And at first I had no interest, um, and, uh, but over the course of a year, um, I, um, I shifted my, my thought process mm-hmm. and they kept sort of waiting on me. Yeah. And so um, uh, I resigned from Butler took the position at St. Vincent Hospital mm-hmm. uh, to be a director of their sports medicine program. And I said, well, I've got an idea. If I do this, um, I've got this idea about this thing, new thing called sports performance. Mm. And uh, it was really new in, in 1999. Yeah. And uh, it was an unusual title. It was, it was a framework of bringing together, uh, you know, um, coaches, athletic trainers, strength coaches, dietitians, sports psychologists, mm. and, and just having all these touch points yeah, so that an athlete could go to one place and get all those services. Totally. And uh, so they allowed me to do that. And wow. uh, um, so um, we started from scratch and uh, we ended up at one point uh, uh, having 104 employees uh, wow. within St. Vincent Sports Performance. And mm traveling all over the world to take care of athletes, athletes all over the world coming to Indianapolis for healthcare and, and training. Yeah. And uh, um, so uh, I made that leap. It went awesome um, yeah. uh, to be in a, a faith-based organization like St. Vincent was, totally. was really uh, comfortable for yeah. me. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so, so that's, that's where I spent the next 20 years. Wow. Wow. And Ralph, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's an amazing uh, a leap of faith to go from a place like Butler where you're comfortable uh, to a new role at St. Vincent where you were the executive director and had a lot of responsibility, as you said. And it's even more inspiring to hear that you were able to implement the sports performance aspect of it. If I could ask a follow-up question there, 
what gave you the confidence to really go forth with something so new? I think for a lot of people in the sports industry, it can be a challenge to be confident. And sometimes you want to play it safe because it is a tough industry and it's competitive in terms of uh, keeping your role and being in the place that you are. So what gave you the confidence to go forward with implementing something so new like sports performance? Noah, I, um, um, how do I answer that question? Um, I don't know that um, um, I've never thought about it. Um, I shouldn't say never, but uh, recently, like what gave me the confidence? I think I, I always had, and just like I do here at Butler, mm. I have a, um, I have this a gift of being able to see what I want. Yeah. You know, and and see what, um, you know, I've got this mind's eye of saying this is what I think it'll look like. This is what it yeah. could look like. And yeah. And and to be um, committed to that. Mm-hmm. And 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 learn to back up that commitment with yeah. evidence, whether mm-hmm. it's testimonials, whether it's a, a market research, whether it's mm-hmm. research of yeah. evidence um, about a certain technique or a product or, um, and a lot of what we did in, in sports performance early on, it was, we were providing a solution right, um, for athletes who didn't have a home. You know, mm-hmm. so um, take a, an IndyCar driver. Yeah. Um, they're nomadic. They, they go all over the world. They didn't really have a home right. where someone would um, really dig in for them and find everything and not have a, an ego to where they wanted to be bigger than the driver. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so, so that was always the vision that, that I wanted to give athletes at all levels a safe place an ethical place yeah where they could um get the best of services and mm-hmm. um feel and know that we were we were for them yeah and yeah. um and that was always the vision and and that's that's who i am so it was easy yeah and um so i don't know that it um I don't know that it was a, a bold confidence. Yeah. I think it was a, a an inner knowledge mm-hmm. that this is the right thing to do. Totally. Right? Yeah. And and but with that, um, you know, one of my favorite words in life is courage. Mm-hmm. And and I would say I have more courage than confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? I absolutely. have much more courage. Um, and, and courage comes from my faith yeah. and from, um, and life's experiences, totally. you know, there's, there's, there's a value of being 63 years old yeah. and being able to, to reflect and say, um, Hey Ralph, why are, why are you anxious or nervous about this? You, you've done this for 40 years professionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, why am I? Right. Yeah. Um, right. Have some courage about this. Have mm-hmm. have, you know, um, reflect on your faith about this. Yeah. And and so um, I think I have had more courage than mm. confidence. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and and uh, 
Um, courage is is uh, courage is just you know it's just the other side of fear. Yeah. And and I've I've tried to never allow fear to stop me from doing something right. that I know is right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so. Um, yeah. There you go. I appreciate that, Ralph. And I really want to highlight two things you said because I really loved uh, how you just communicated that. And the first thing is that it's about the kids, right? And that's why at St. Vincent, when you were able to implement the sports performance side of things, it was about the kids. And that for you was the motivation. I think for our listeners, young professionals, future leaders in the sport industry, that that is, should be the motivation. And I just did a podcast a few weeks ago with the former uh, athletic director at the University of Minnesota. And he said something very similar to, to the effect of it's about the kids. And when you do a job in the sports industry, it's about the kids. It's about the athletes. And I think for you, that's a tremendous motivation. And then the second thing, really using your faith as uh, a foundation of, of your courage and of your confidence. So I think that's something for our students as well to really take home is your faith can be that building block for you. Um, and it can really be something you lean on when things are tough because they are in the sports industry. And when decisions are tough, that it really can be something to give you the strength to allow the one who's in control to be in control and to take yourself away from that place of control. So well said, Ralph. I appreciate the answer there for sure. Yeah. And then, Ralph, you had the opportunity to manage the health of Olympic athletes in the 1996 Olympic Games in Atlanta, Georgia, so share with us how that opportunity came about for you and how that experience impacted your career journey. Yeah, I, uh, so I was here at Butler and uh, um, a couple of years, um, well, it was in 94, um, um, I received a, a conversation phone call from a good friend of mine who mm -hmm. had been at Ball State University. His name was Mike Ferrara and Mike's an athletic trainer and he was, he had done a lot of work in his career with uh, Paralympic athletes mm. and had, had really become a, a driving force, a thought leader in that realm of Paralympic uh, healthcare. And he was hired by uh, the Atlanta Committee for the Olympic Games mm. um, to lead their Paralympic um, healthcare model. And, um, um, he had a colleague um, at the Olympic Games um, who was in the same role um, who, um, who resigned from the role hmm. uh, about 18 months before the Games. Wow. And so Mike made a recommendation to the group to uh, reach out to me, and uh, they did. And, uh, um, you know, that's a bittersweet. Being involved in an event situation like that is very bittersweet because there's two sides of that continuum. Um, and, and so, um, and what I mean by that is it's, you're either all in or mm -hmm. you're, you're really not doing the job. Right. Um, the Olympics, um, is, uh, is an all in all committed. And so, um, my family stayed here in Indianapolis. I moved to Atlanta um, I worked out, I was very fortunate. I was able to work out a deal with Butler wow. that um, I was uh, given unpaid leave, but at least I was guaranteed a, an opportunity to come back. Right. All right. Yeah. And um, the, and I did come back to Butler um, and 
uh, stayed for a couple years, three years until the St. Vincent thing uh, mm -hmm. came about. Yeah. And um, so I moved to Atlanta. I had in my deal that I could um, sort of come home every weekend um, or when before we started having events. And so we made it work. Um, it was hard. Uh, I, I journaled during all that time, um, which I'm really glad I did. It's it's uh, it's always interesting to go back and look at my journal uh, during those 18 months. And um, there are some extraordinary times and, uh, um, you know, three sleepless days um, during the uh, sort of the early peak of the games where um, just didn't didn't have the uh, the means to stop. Uh, right. There's just so much going on. Um, but, um, uh, the lessons that I learned with that and, uh, um, the people I met, uh, mm -hmm. but really it was the lessons, uh, yeah. of how, um, again, my conviction of collaboration, mm -hmm. um, it was really at the peak during those games, um, because, you're you're dealing with EMTs, paramedics, physician assistants, RNs, uh, dietitians, physicians yeah. of all all uh, specialties, um, wow. uh, vendors of uh, equipment, and uh, uh, making decisions about what equipment we're going to use, and, mm -hmm. and working within the budget, and and uh, um, dealing across lines of logistics and security, and food and beverage, and mm -hmm. uniforms, and credentialing, and yeah. And uh, security, uh, right. big big deal with security, and and just being in those meetings with people from all over the world who work mm -hmm. events all over the world. Um, you know, I remember sitting in in meetings, getting ready for our road cycling events. Yeah, and the group had just come from the Tour de France, and so here's this whole group of people yeah. who are managing the road cycling event for the Olympic uh, uh, road racing in Atlanta. And they had just finished the Tour de France, and so they're exhausted. Um, and and but they, no one knows it better than they do. That right. group of people, mm -hmm. and uh, to have them come in and to sit and watch that and listen to them and integrate with uh, their knowledge, um, those are just things that I've uh, I've just fascinated by. And yeah. uh, and also the Olympic athletes. You know, there's ten thousand five hundred athletes. Uh, wow. Uh, at the Olympic Games and um, you know, as I always tell people when I'm talking about the Olympics, okay, name 20 athletes from the most recent Olympics. Yeah. It's hard to do. It's hard to do, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. But there's 10,500 Olympians across mm. the world. Wow. And for them, um, there's no greater moment. Right. And And that's what I've really learned is that it's, it's while the crowds, television, all of that is fun and exciting, the best of the best athletes are those who excel without that. Right. And, and just their inner drive and their conviction. And uh, sometimes it could be misguided and uh, addictions and and uh, various things occur because you're you're so into that, and there's a right. real balance issue with life. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but that's what I always take away from being around elite athletes 
within mm. the Olympic environment is just how <clears throat> how focused they get towards their goal. Yeah. And and a lot of them do it with very few external resources. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just uh, it just blows me away. And so then when I sit down to do my job every day, mm-hmm. I reflect on that a lot. And that has really shaped me over the last thirty years. Has been yeah. to, hey, I don't need I don't need a crowd. I don't need somebody patting me on the back. Now, do mm-hmm. I like those things? Sure, I do. Of course, yeah. But I can't rely upon that to do my best work. Mm-hmm. I've got to I've got to find that within me. Yeah. And um, that's that's what I've learned from being around that level of athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ralph. Well, first of all, it is profound uh, hearing that from you just in terms of it's not about the crowd. It's not about uh, the pat on the back. And I think for a lot of young professionals, that is kind of the motivation is I want to work in the NFL, the highest level of football. And if I can't get there, then I don't want to do it. When it's the reality is... You could have a different path that doesn't go quite to the NFL, but you're still really involved in what you love to do, which is athletics, whether it be intercollegiate, high school, professional. That's a tremendous point for a young professional to hear, and I really appreciate you sharing that. And in terms of you know just how amazing it was for you to work in the Olympics, you also were able to work in three Final Fours, the 2002 FIBA World Basketball Championships, the 2006 USA Track and Field Outdoor Championships, and this year... You're actually the medical chair for the college football playoff in Indianapolis. For our students listening, I'm sure they're amazed at the fact that you got to even work in the Olympics, but including these other amazing events that you were a part of, how did you get involved in those events? And what would you say to our students who are listening for their careers, how they can get involved in similar events as they progress uh, throughout their career journey? Yeah, I think one of the um, fortunate things is uh, Indianapolis is home base for me. Yeah. And, you know, um, Indianapolis, back in the early 80s, uh, the the leaders of this city made a commitment to the sports industry. Yeah. And and they made a commitment to build an infrastructure of sports facilities uh, to make it a part of the economy of the region Mm -hmm. uh, to attract events here. And so, you know, I always give credit to geography for my career Mm -hmm. by being in Indianapolis and being close to those events and close to the people who were leading those events. Yeah. Um, it was, um, it, it was geographically easy to sort of knock on the door and say, Hey, I'll help with this. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch in. Well, and plus then my path along the, you know, <clears throat> the Olympic athletic training involvement, Right. And and developing a resume and uh, uh, an awareness of people that mm-hmm. um, um, I was in that world. I did a lot with USA basketball, USA track and field, USA uh, cross country, which part of track and field. Um, gosh, gymnastics and swimming. And and so you you meet people who are running those events. Uh, you develop a, a, a network mm-hmm. and. Um, so it's um, it's really um, for all of it. I don't think a lot has changed about the entry level point um, of there are within events across the across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there are cities that are always hosting events, whether yeah. it's Seattle or it's Houston or it's Austin or it's you know Los Angeles, whatever. And they're always looking for people to support the structure, the infrastructure of hosting that event. Yeah. And so um, there are there are pathways of getting in there, whether mm. it's helping with with ticketing, it's helping with marketing, it's helping with logistics, it's helping with medical, it's helping with transportation. And, you know, here with the college football playoffs, for example, I think we've got some 24 people who are handpicked as team host. Wow. All right. So what do you need to be a team host? Well, this, this, this round, you need a vaccination card, right? (laughs) But, but, you need a network and you need to, to know that that organization is looking for those people. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no, there's no academic or job pathway to being a team host at the college right. football playoff championship game. Right. That's, that's, that's grit. It's mm-hmm. people skills. It's professionalism. Yeah. It's hospitality. Yeah. You know, it's generosity of spirit. It's mm-hmm. those those kinds of things that put you in a position to do that. And then, boy, you do one, you either catch the fever, yeah. and you'll want to do the next one, or yeah. you'll say, "Yes, eh, isn't this isn't really what I thought it was?" Yeah. But if it is what you thought it was, man, you're in. Yeah. Because the pool is not that deep. Right. I, I mean, and so um, yeah, it, it's a it's about presenting yourself and looking and finding those spots to to be involved yeah and Ralph I do appreciate you sharing that especially the point about professionalism network people skills I mean those things are vital uh, for a successful career in the sport industry but especially in terms of getting yourself involved in those incredible events that you've been a part of and that our students really want to be a part of as well so I do appreciate you sharing that point. I think that's very vital uh, in terms of the the finding those opportunities and taking advantage. Mm-hmm. And Ralph, you came back to Butler in 2019 to accept the role that you're presently in as Senior Associate Athletic Director for Student Athlete Health Performance and Wellbeing. What played into your decision to come back to Butler and how did your previous experiences prepare you for that role? Uh, <clears throat> well... I was at St. Vincent Sports Performance for 20 years, and about 17 years into that, I started getting this itch to yeah. to get um, sort of refocused with a singular sports organization. Mm-hmm. Um, at St. Vincent, I worked across multiple platforms, multiple organizations, and an unbelievable experience um, yeah. from you know, running a, a recovery center for athletes at the Games of Rio. Wow. Um, where we work with a company called Procter & Gamble. Yeah. And yeah. and doing those kinds of things mm-hmm. um, to race car drivers and, and uh, full spectrum. But I was, I was sort of a step away from truly being impactful to the athlete, in my yeah. opinion. And I started getting that itch to wanting to say, okay, hey, I've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I take what I've learned about high-performance planning and about 
all the experiences and bring it to a singular organization. So yeah. I started looking across, uh, and my wife and I, we made a commitment. She made a commitment that, yeah, let's be open geography, uh, yeah. geographically, to be everywhere. So so I I networked and, and talked with, you know, uh, Bernard Muir, athletic director at Stanford, to Brad Stevens with the Celtics, to Barry Collier here at Butler as yeah. athletic director, to, you know, the folks with the Indiana Pacers and and across the NFL that I had some experience. And, wow, yeah. And But I had an idea what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, um, to, to my... Um, I was in a position, I couldn't, I learned I wasn't articulating it very well, what I really wanted to do. Yeah. And um, in a way that people who hadn't been around like a St. Vincent sports performance model could really understand. And so in talking with a general manager and a team president with MSL or MLS, yeah. you know, they were like, yeah, we need this, but hmm, we've, we've got that and that and that. Well, yeah, I want to manage all of that. Yeah. And it's like, right. Uh, so, um, so I had a couple conversations with Barry Collier. Yeah. Now I had worked with Barry, the athletic director here at Butler when he was the head basketball coach at Butler. Yeah. We had a great relationship, have a great relationship. And, um, so through another friend, Thad Mata, yeah. um, um, Thad was very encouraging of me to go back and talk to Barry again. I had mm. said something to Barry about at the start of my journey. Yeah. Hey, you, ever, you know, networking, you know, you know, Val Ackerman with the big East and it's all these, you know, yeah. Help me, help me figure out. And, uh, so, um, Thad encouraged me, says, Hey, you need to go back and talk to Barry. I mm-hmm. said, really? So just a little bit of Thad. Um, I didn't do it. And like two weeks later, I saw Thad again, and he said, and Thad never does this. Thad does not stick on a topic. He hits and goes, hits and goes, hits and goes. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) When he hit me a second time and said, have you talked to Barry Collier? I was like, whoa, this is not the Thad Mata I know. For him to still be thinking about that Mm -hmm. two weeks later. So I told my wife, I said, Brenda, and she knows we know the mod is very well. Mm-hmm. Brenda's like, there's a sign. I said, yeah. all right, I'll call Barry. I called Barry and I said, hey, would you want to have a conversation about how I might come back to Butler? And he said, 100% yes. Wow. Wow. So here's a dream come true. Right. I got to write my job description. Wow. Barry says, Ralph, I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what you it is that you do. Mm. I, I have an idea. We have an opening for a head athletic trainer. Yeah. I said, well, I want to be the head athletic trainer. I want to be, I want to, I want to help Butler athletics perform at a higher level. Yeah. I want the student athlete experience to be extraordinary mm-hmm. in the way that we can manage it from a support structure standpoint. Yeah. And so I worked with another colleague on his staff to help them write the job description. Wow. Yeah. That I applied for. Yeah. And 
And so that's how uh, that's how I ended up here. And, yeah. and uh, I never dreamed I'd be back at Butler. Never. Wow. I thought yeah. this isn't going to work at Butler. Um, mm. And um, did I take a pay cut? Sure, I did. I, yeah. I took a pay cut from my job at at St. Vincent mm-hmm. uh, to work at Butler University. Yeah. But um, my wife and I are at a point in life where we could make that work. Right. But I just want people to know that, that this wasn't like, a, oh, I made this amount of money and now I'm going to make this amount of money. No, mm. I went quite the other way. Yeah. And um, now I'm, I'm well compensated. Yeah. But I took a pay cut and to, to do what I want to do. Yeah. And mm. um, um, so, so that's how I got to Butler yeah. a second time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Ralph, I do appreciate you sharing the point of uh, taking the pay cut. And that can be another thing that's really scary for any professional, especially a young professional. Uh, it can be tough in the, the early years of a sport industry journey because you're taking jobs that are not as well compensated. And it can be hard to, to make a move that you're concerned about financially. And I think for our students listening, always putting your, your goals and your aspirations to impact the athlete before the finances uh, in most cases, is a is a good decision. I think for you, that's an awesome uh, testimony, and I appreciate you sharing that. And from experience uh, working with you at Butler, I will say it was incredible to see how you've changed the athletic department and changed the sports performance aspect of the university. I know that uh, we as managers appreciated it, um, and I know the athletes definitely appreciated it. So it's, it, it was evident in your work, and we appreciate that, Ralph. Well, thank you. It means a lot to hear that. Absolutely. And, uh, a word about managers. I love you guys. I, 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 I tell you, I, and, and there's, you know, I grew up my, and I think it truly goes back to my parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad and mom were both janitors of a high school. Yeah. Right? Small farmers. My dad drove school bus. Nice. But they were in the school every day as sweeping the floors, mopping the floors, mm-hmm. uh, locking the doors, unlocking the doors, washing the windows, emptying the trash cans. And, uh, you know, our great friend, Chris Purley, who, yeah. who runs, you know, the caretaker of Hinkle Field House. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, our managers, I just I just have such great respect and gratitude for that grind. Yeah. Um, so it's easy for me to like the managers. Oh, I appreciate that, Ralph. I definitely appreciate that. And lastly, Ralph, what advice would you give a young professional who is desiring to have a career in athletic training or sports performance? There are a lot of really good, there's a lot changing academically in that realm. Mm-hmm. Um, undergraduate athletic training programs are going away. It's all master's degree uh, level now. Um, so there's really, <clears throat> excuse me, there's really an opportunity to dual credential, um, yeah. to have an undergraduate degree while you're advancing and wanting to go get your athletic training. You can, you can maybe in kinesiology, human movement, there's a lot of different, uh, um, names for those curriculums, mm-hmm. but you can get your background, let's say in, in physiology, um, strength and conditioning, personal training, um, dietetics, um, and, and then get your master's degree in athletic training and have yeah. this dual, dual path, this dual credential. Um, and then if you want to really aspire, you go get your doctorate in physical therapy yeah. and, and you start stacking all of these things. Um, I, th- I think that there's 
Um, my advice would be that there are um, be present mm -hmm. in your undergraduate role as a student. Yeah. When you've got, what do I mean by that? Um, I've got a baseball player here right now at Butler mm -hmm. um, who's interested in going to be a doctor. Wow. And he knocked on my door one day and said, and we didn't really know each other. I didn't yeah. work with baseball that much. And John came forward and said, hey, Ralph, um, can I talk to you about what my career plans are? I said, sure, sit down. And so he said, I was wondering if you could just help me network and spend some time with some physicians in different specialties here in Indianapolis so I can yeah. get an understanding. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and so if you take 5,000 students at Butler University, yeah, it's going to be less than 1% who will do something like that. Yeah. But yet it's available to all 5,000 mm -hmm. to network and to ask questions and to seek support. And so um, that's the advice I would get. Be present in your undergraduate journey and uh, connect and and ask for advice of how to connect and how yeah. to to go about um, exploring and and really understanding. I've had I've had a couple of students do that here this fall and and man, I just smile when that happens. It's yeah. just great. Yeah. Absolutely, Ralph. I really appreciate you sharing that. And it is as you said, there's five thousand students that could be the ones that come in and take that opportunity but it was just the one uh, so I think for our students listening being that student or that young professional that does take advantage of learning from from people that have been through it that have been on that that journey and that can really help you in terms of getting you to the places you want to go so Ralph I really appreciate that that is some tremendous advice Ralph it was my pleasure to have you on the podcast today and as always it is good to see you my friend yes sir Proud of you, young man. Proud of you. Thank you, Ralph. Thank you so much. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our training experience on our website at uncommonsg.org. That's uncommonsg.org. Be sure to catch this new series of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern time as well as full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next week.